0: The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN.
1: I would like to open up today's show by sharing with you a quote. A quote from last night's game, and it comes from Oklahoma State's Avery Anderson. I can't hear you, coach. (laughs) 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 And honestly, I couldn't hear him say that. I had to read lips, and I'm not a good uh, lip reader, but that was clear as day. I can't hear you, coach, and that was about the 16-minute mark. Of the second half, and I think it was right after um, Marquise Noel hit a three, mm-hmm. and Case it opened up. You know, where they open up the second half with like seven nothing run or something like that. Yep. After uh, Oklahoma State scored a bucket, and he looks over, and it, I think a timeout came shortly after that. I can't hear you, Coach. Eleven thousand fans in see him last night. Yeah, I think we got a taste of the doom returning.
0: It hit a decibel level that I had not heard since, or at least personally had not heard since I was in school. When Oklahoma or a Missouri or a Kansas was in, it was crazy last night. Well,
1: the the Frank days.
0: But But I wasn't here for the Frank days. Well, I understand that. So you have to understand that aspect of it. I'm, I'm talking personally being in the arena and hearing that noise.
1: Well, and, uh, you know, the got of doom those days began with Frank Martin. Yes. And I would say even before that with, you know, when Michael Beasley and, and Bill Walker were here. Yes, Huggy. In the KU game. You know, that's when I remember the real first, like, insane environment. And a winning team, right? A winning yes. team also getting that uh, reception from the K-State fan base that showed up. And, man, did they show up last night. You know, right around tip-off, I was kind of looking around. I was like, I, I told Brett who's the producer of the mm-hmm. whole show, the fan experience. I, I, I just kind of stood up and looked around right before we hit the zeros and the starting lineups were going to be announced. looked around and I was like, you know, I feel like we might be about 1,000 short. You know, the game sold out, but I did see a decent amount of, of empty seats. And then I looked up again, like, at the under-16 time, I was like, oh, wow, a lot of those seats just filled. Yeah, Maybe a a tad bit of a late-arriving crowd, because it was a 6 o'clock game. 6 o'clock game,
0: and I wonder how many were in concession lines.
1: Yeah, that too. Yeah,
0: Because what I saw at halftime for the concession lines was
1: cray-cray. Yeah, I'm sure uh, some of you uh, season ticket holders recently haven't been used to those lines. (laughs) Get used to it, boys and girls, because the next four games are sold out, and I got a feeling the other three that are still to be played in Bramlage this year, TCU Tech... I want to say Oklahoma are the three Mm -hmm. that still have tickets for sale or uh, Baylor
0: Baylor. I think it's Baylor Baylor just because it's late enough in the year.
1: Yeah, that those uh, still there's still some tickets, some decent amount of tickets for sale. So go get them. Don't waste any time. Go get them. This is the party you want to be a part of and you're invited. You just got to pay a cover charge. Uh, come in and enjoy this because I think this is just getting started. K-State is off to its best start in basketball since 1958-59 with a 15-1 record. And um, this was brought up, and I wasn't even paying attention. I didn't even notice that this was the case. But last night's win to get to 15, that was more than last year. All Mm -hmm. of last year. Yeah. And, uh, boy, we we got so much to talk about. Uh, Of course, you know, it's Wednesday – and you know what that means? AEW Dynamite. Did you? Want, I was going to let you say it, Troy. But I, I was
0: going to be sarcastic and make a WWE joke in selling to oh these my Saudis.
1: God. Oh my! Don't even get me started. I don't know. It's not like I'm the big a big WWE fan anymore. I've hardly watched in the last couple of years, other than the Royal Rumble, which is this month, and Mania. Had mm-hmm. to watch Stone Cold come back. I mean, who 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 wanted to miss that? Nobody. Everybody tuned in for that. Um. Oh my God! What a story! Vince McMahon basically forcing his way back in, takes over as the uh, the head of the the board of directors, fires a bunch of people, brings in his own people that are know that he knows that are loyal to him, and then now he's looking to sell the company. His daughter steps away; she's had enough of it. Holy crap! It is an absolute mess. But mm, you know who's mess. not a mess? AEW. I'm glad I jumped ship from WWE and moved over (laughs) to Wednesday nights with my boys there, Tony Khan and the rest of AEW. Hey, they're from the Forum tonight in Los Angeles. It just so happens they have a best-of-seven series coming to a wrap tonight for the Trios Tag Team Championships. The Elite, Kenny Omega, Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks against Death Triangle, Pac, Penta El Ciro Miedo, and uh, Ray Phoenix, along with... uh, I forget the manager's name, but whatever. Uh, By the way, AEW returning to Cable Dahmer Arena in Independence, Missouri on March 22nd. Get your tickies. Now, honestly, i got to wait for that. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go because it's right around, that's NCAA tournament time. Yep. So. uh, Might have plans. uh, Might have plans. But also, welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion, Birkeland. We are joined, as always, here on Wednesdays of being in the show with Derek Young, from K-State Online Derek, always uh, great to talk with you First of all, before we get into the hoops Today is National Milk Day Alright, so Derek Young He's in Ohio, he's in school And he's going through the lunch line And they're in the cooler Of all the milk cartons You got 2%, chocolate, strawberry What are you grabbing?
2: Back then I would have grabbed strawberry <sighs> Today, I wouldn't grab milk at all because I've become lactose intolerant.
1: Oh, that's tough. I think yeah. you've said that before, actually, now that I think about it. But strawberry strawberry in my school was a, was a special occasion because it wasn't every day. It was like once a month. But we mm. always had the 2% in the chocolate. Even though if there was strawberry, I'm always grabbing the chocolate. What about you, Troy? Uh, chocolate, absolutely. Travion? I was always white milk. Did you
0: ever get vanilla? Um, milk occasionally, no, because they would have that would be special special occasions when they have vanilla milk and everyone would go crazy.
1: I don't think I've ever heard of vanilla
0: it, it milk
2: would, it would be available at times for us, but I think I had like a couple you know sips of that it's not good
0: hmm <laughs> if it's anything like doing vanilla soy milk, I would agree with you to me, it just tasted like you know just a non chunky milkshake. Actually, it's not. I always considered two percent just yeah.
1: basically vanilla. I thought that was the <laughs> vanilla option. I guess I'm wrong. All right, I had no idea vanilla milk was a thing. Am I, am, am I like alone here? Like, are those out there that have heard of this? I, am I, I, feel like I've, I've learned something today. I've never known that there is vanilla flavored milk. All right, D.Y., Let's get into the hoops.
2: Yeah, I, I actually, I, I have to make a. I'll correct you because you were more correct than you thought you were oklahoma is one of the three that has not sold out yet and so is tcu but you mentioned texas tech Tech, yeah and i i think that's a weekend game it's already sold out so i actually think it's tcu oklahoma and baylor
1: all right well i appreciate you correcting me i knew i had one wrong because i knew i needed to throw in baylor i'm actually going to miss that game due to the k-state baseball their first uh Road trip heading to Stephen F. Austin, boys and girls, for a four-game series. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Nacogdoches, Texas.
0: What a burger! What a burger! Well, what for a sure, burger. absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, Dy, your reaction to the alley oop? Not just yours. The media's reaction. <laughs> I, I need to I hear from that, your side of it.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's because you know we're in media. You have to kind of almost remain stoic, unbiased, no cheering, and Kansas State pretty much adheres to that you know, very well, but I, I will say the media reacted more to that bucket than I've seen them react to anything in a football or basketball game uh, ever. Um, even the Cardi windmill, Cardi-Ajana windmill, was that in the eighteen nineteen season, the, the reaction from that was pretty robust uh, in terms of a crowd pop. But just from a media reaction, because I don't think anyone – I think they saw we all saw the ball in the air, I think just like Jerome Tang said, I think ninety nine percent of us thought that ball was headed for a turnover. I did not think that it was actually being passed to someone
1: when you watch it from the t v angle, like the live angle, not the replay, I didn't think that angle did it justice if you no, saw from i agree if you saw it from my angle, it did look like the pass was too high. And and Keontae had to lean back in the lazy boy a little bit to go get it. Reach back and just that, that was the impressive part. As as far as he reached back and then from I'm trying to think of what the angle would have been. It's like a 110 degree angle rips it down and throws it into the hoop. Which, which by the way I want to say you know Naquan Tomlin had a dunk like that this year. But it yes. wasn't in front of eleven thousand. The roar of the crowd, and in the last minute, the the magnitude of that bucket. I think that's what made it elite. But I not to take anything away from those two, Marquise Noel and, and Keontae Johnson. And Marquise was being double teamed uh, before he threw that lob. Just in an in insane insane play. I think it's got to be the play of the year so far.
2: Yeah, and it'll be tough to be topped unless they do something special in six days. Of course, but that. You're right, the The TV camera angle does not do that play justice because then I saw replays of it and it's number eight on SportsCenter Top Ten. I'm like, man, it kind of looks just like a normal alley-oop from, from that television angle. But I tell you what, from and we're right there by the tunnel where the players come out of now as media members, and from that angle, it looked like that ball had no chance to be caught. And not only was it caught, the way that he threw it down with one hand with such ferocity is was... Um, that was something else. I the only time that arena's popped at that volume since I've covered the team in 2017 was the Cartier dunk. Correct. Against against it against KU, and that night was more consistently loud than what it was last night against Oklahoma State. Last night was really great, um, but that KU game that crowd popped. On the Cardi dunk was right there with the one to Keontae last night, but it was also that was like a hundred decibel game start to finish, um, and hopefully we we see that again in six days. But but that one, just the crowd pop in general, that might be number one. It might have, it might have even overtook the Cardi one because I you saw Cardi he was he went out he was on a one man fast break right there was no one from Ku chasing him it was loud but the pop was a little bit less because you knew he was about to score because um, nobody was there to defend it. The Keontae one, uh, the level of difficulty of play really played into it, I think.
0: One of the things that I think played a role, though, in it not being that uh, 100 decibel all night long last night was Oklahoma State controlled the tempo the way that they wanted to, and especially the first half.
2: Yeah, probably only the first half. They ran it a little bit more in the second half. Uh, Oh, no, Oklahoma State's pretty good. Uh, They impressed me. I I, I probably think much higher of them now than I did going into that game, and they didn't even have one of their better players.
1: Yeah, Musa Sise, who might be the best rim protector in the Big 12, was out for the second straight game with an injury. I thought maybe he might play, but he didn't. Uh, it was said after the game that he he's just not there yet. But I I, I tell you what that mat, that rematch in Lubbock, whenever that is, whatever or not Lubbock but Stillwater when that when that game is played that that's going to be a tough one. I don't care what the environment's like that's going to be really tough. But I, I wanted to ask you, D Y, kind of bouncing off of what Troy just just brought up of just your reaction of how the game played out because we saw K State basically flip flop when it comes to the type of opponent they're playing. Two back-to-back games of just really good offensive teams, maybe not so great defensively. Flip-flop to Oklahoma State, and the Cats, they don't have their best game, especially from a guy like Keontae Johnson in the first half.
2: Yeah, I mean, they played, really, and I think Jerome Tate would probably agree, they they played pretty poorly in the first half. Uh, They were fortunate to get down, to be only down two. At the break, Jerome Tang even said that. That was one of my bullet points and and my instant takeaways, is they probably won that game in the first half by somehow nibbling away and getting it to a two-point game. Now, they did have a 23-17 lead at one point, but that's when uh, Oklahoma State went on an 11-0 run and took a 28-23 lead. So pulling that down to within two, I think that was the key of the game, getting to halftime with with it only being that margin and the two-for-one at the end. When you got a Desi Sills layup and then the Ken Carter buzzer beater in a quarter, I think uh, those were all huge plays and kind of went into it. So, yeah, takeaway, just the way the game unfolded, um, I felt like the first half was mostly Oklahoma State's pace. So I felt like the second half was mostly Kansas State's pace. And and I think it's a good – a takeaway to have is that you can win even when Keontae doesn't have his A game and, and you can still win when you don't play your best basketball um, a lot of teams have to play their best basketball in order to defeat solid teams. Kansas State just beat a solid team without playing their best basketball.
1: Marquis Noel continues to impress. By the way, he's playing through four Big 12 games. He's shooting 50% from three. Right now on the season averaging 17 points, but all four Big 12 games he has scored 20 points or more. And by the way, the assist numbers are just through the roof. He's going to crush the single-season record. And in points, he's 60 away from matching what he had last year as a scorer. I've seen many people use you know ways of describing his season so far from best point guard in the Big 12 to All-America type of status. How far would you go to title, how to explain his run right now? You could say in Big 12 play or just as a season overall?
2: I, I, well, I think both would probably have him number one or number two for Big 12 Player of the Year. And and if you're in that company, then you're up for All-American. So I, I think National Player of the Year is probably a little out of reach still, unless you were to just continue to play at this breakneck pace, and then you might have to give it to him at the end of the day. But uh, for right now, I would say trending towards Big 12 Player of the Year and being an All-American.
1: I can't remember, was like Dean or Barry, were they ever considered All-Americans?
2: I don't know. Dean Wade was Big 12 Player of the Year, though, right?
1: Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think so.
2: Yeah, so I wonder, I bet Dean was an All-American, at least – from I don't know if it was AP or something, but I bet he was.
1: I have to double check that during the break because I know for sure you know Michael Beasley was an All American, but after him, I can't remember exactly if anybody got that All American status. But anyway, uh, all right, DY, let's take our break, and when we come back, let's jump into football because the Cats got themselves a running back commit to transfer in. Oh boy, I'm excited about this one. It's coming up next on the game. Well, my Google search to find out the uh, KSA Basketball All-Americans list um, was unfortunately interrupted with some bad news, some breaking news. Uh, we, we have lost one of the great musicians of our time, Jeff Beck. Jeff Beck Group, of course, but also was a yard bird, has passed away today at the age of 78. He had a little bit of... Troy and I were talking about this a little bit. He did have a little bit of overlap with the Yardbirds when it came to Jimmy Page. Mm -hmm. They did share a little bit of time together, but Jimmy Page was more after Jeff Beck uh, in the Yardbirds, and then Jeff Beck group, of course. And I think most would... um... See, he was also in that group. Was it with Carmine Apiece he was in a group with? The drummer, Carmine Apiece? I think you're right. Let me yeah with uh, Tim Bogert Carmine and Peace. Yeah. they're on a group together but i think on most people's like list if they like the experts of the genre or you know just of guitars d- guitar players they were put together a top 10 list i would imagine Jeff Beck would be on a lot of those top 10 lists absolutely so rest in peace legend Jeff Beck passing away today, unfortunately, at the age of 78. All right, we're back with Derek Young from K-State Online, who I'm sure doesn't know much about Jeff Beck, so I'll jump to uh, K-State football news. and I want to talk about uh, the running back that K-State got a commitment from yesterday. That's Treshawn Ward, who played a handful of years, I think at, uh, really two solid years at uh, at Florida State. He commits yesterday. He's a Florida native. Um, who looked pretty good in the cheese of against Oklahoma, ran for 81 yards and a couple of scores. Um, you know, this was obviously an area that K State wanted to go get somebody in the transfer portal. And I think they did a solid job, but I'd like to hear from your words, D.Y., just how solid this is as a pickup for K State in the backfield heading into 2023.
2: Yeah, back to back seasons where he almost ran for 700 yards at Florida State, and then he did that in what really was a committee approach in Tallahassee. So I think it's a you're getting a a proven power five guy with proven power five production, and you're never going to shake your head at that. I think this is as good as they could have done. Even some of the guys that they chased prior to pursuing Ward, um, like uh, Sean Tyler out of Western Michigan that picked Oklahoma State, I think having a little bit of patience and not landing those probably worked in Kansas State's favor because – I think TreShaun Ward was probably the best target that they pursued at the position, just like Keegan Johnson of Iowa was the best target that they pursued at the wide receiver position. So I walk away saying Kansas State got the, their top option available to them in the transfer market at both running back and wide receiver.
1: Yeah, and coming up in the second hour of the show, I'll I'll, I'll dig a little deeper and, and you know give you more info on what I like about. Trayshawn Ward and uh, who he we – there's a running back, former K-State running back that he really reminds me of. And I'm now – I'm going to love this one-two punch, I believe, uh, when it all comes to fruition in, in, in the fall. Trayshawn Ward and also DJ Giddens sharing carries. And uh, the thing is, yeah, Trayshawn Ward was sharing a carries with a lot of dudes. There was like four guys for Florida State that was consistently getting the ball because – and they were a really good running team this past year. They were top 15 in the country in rushing yards – per game, and they had three running backs that were sharing carries plus also a running quarterback. Um, this seemed like a really fast process, was it not, to get Sean
2: Ward? Pretty quickly. They were the first school to contact him, you know, probably minutes after he entered the transfer portal, before other schools kind of caught on as to, what, that, as to that he was available in the transfer portal. I think kids, they already had booked an official visit, so they kind of were out in front and and leading from the start and, and positioning themselves that way is really what allowed them to to win the recruitment at the end of the day um they out kind of outgunned their Auburn, arizona state south carolina tennessee uh, the those four programs are the ones that i've heard uh associated with him the most in terms of what the power five competition for services looked like and i i just don't think that I think Kansas State getting the first visit, I think they locked it down with that first trip. And and so the other schools not being able to host him in time and um, him choosing to visit Kansas State is what effectively eliminated their chances.
1: Well, and and K-State was in such a great spot when it comes to a sales pitch as well. He just played in the Sugar Bowl, Big 12 championship team. By the way, the offensive line that helped get us there and be a top 15 in the 15 rushing offense in the country to get them there to the Sugar Bowl. That whole offensive line is coming back. That's uh, I mean, what, what about you, D.Y.? If you're hearing that news and you're leaving your dream school to transfer somewhere else so you can have more of a heavier load, you know, more on your plate when it comes to a running back, how could you not turn that down? Or how could you yeah, not turn that down?
2: Yeah, you, you, like you said, here's here's the sales pitches. They They just made the Sugar Bowl. They just won the Big 12. The quarterback's back. The entire offensive line's back. Um, you just saw what they did with Deuce Vaughn, and he's gone, and now the line chair of carries are available to you. There's not, there's not much not to like about what his situation and outlook uh, appeared to be in terms of Kansas State and the opportunity available to him in Manhattan.
1: We also found out Phillip Brooks is going to be returning uh, for his final year of eligibility. This season he set career highs pretty much across the board. Uh, with about every stat you could have part return he had one for a score against missouri uh, when it comes to the senior wide receivers he's the only one that's going to be returning malik knowles has decided to uh get after the uh professional part of his game how are you feeling about the wide receiver right room because you may you you, you mentioned keegan J- johnson and then you have rj garcia does Jaden jackson become more of a factor this season how are you feeling right now about that
2: feeling a little bit better than I did a few weeks ago, and and, and that's not necessarily just because Phil Brooks is returning. He, I don't know that he's a, a guy that's going to light it up for 800 to 1,000 yards receiving ever, um, but he is a guy that just had over 500 yards receiving, which was a career high for him, and he's a guy that I think led K-State in receiving yards in 2021, so he is mm-hmm. no slouch, and you're not going to turn away that, that kind of proven production at the Power 5 level, especially at the wide receiver position if you are Kansas State. Pair him with R.J. Garcia, who seems to have a bright future. We've seen a few flashes here and there already, and he caught a touchdown in the Big 12 championship game versus TCU. You have Keegan Johnson, who had his true freshman year was pretty successful at the University of Iowa, where he he was nearly the Big Ten freshman of the year. Uh, Jaden Jackson, who it seems like the light bulb's coming on from him if you talk to people within the program that have a little bit more knowledge on these types of things than necessarily we do or that we're privy to. Um, there's people that really like what K-State might get out of guys like Jaden Jackson and uh, also don't sleep on Sterling Lockett. I don't know if it's going to be as soon as this next season, but they certainly think that the arrow is pointed upward in terms of his trajectory in Manhattan.
1: Not as hyped about the wide receiver room as I am the running backs, but absolutely a lot of potential heading into 2023. Now, when it comes to... You know, I guess decisions we're waiting on. Is Felix the last now we're waiting on to hear a, a, a decision about him?
2: Yeah, there hasn't been anything announced. I think he's had his mind made up for a while. I still do not anticipate him returning to Kansas State. But in terms of NFL decisions, I think that's the only one that has yet to, I guess, go public, so to speak, with his announcement. I, I do think there's a few that – maybe one or two still maybe grappling with the potential return for a super senior year that aren't necessarily guys that look to have NFL futures anyway, but uh, those seem to still be up in the air as well to be determined.
1: All right, DIY will to wrap up by the way, speaking with Derek Young from K-State online, going back to the transfer portal discussion. I know of course, K-State would like to go out there and find a nose guard, but is there uh, now a new top of the list, a guy at the top of the list to watch out for of who could be the next transfer portal recruit?
2: Mississippi State nose guard Javon Banks. I think he put a little DM, but played D-tackle this past year in Starkville for for the late Mike Leach, of course, uh, at Mississippi State. Uh, our indications suggest that he'll be visiting Kansas State tomorrow, so they're going to probably try to lock that one up because that that is probably the last position – that is incredibly pressing to address before spring semester begins. I think you can make an argument. Maybe there there's a few other positions where adding at least one more wouldn't hurt. But in terms of just dire need, the nose guard is the only one remaining.
1: All right, D.Y., that's all I have for you. Really appreciate it. Pour one out for Jeff Beck, if you don't mind, and we'll hopefully talk to you next week.
2: Absolutely. I'll talk to you later. It's
1: Derek Young from K-State Online here on The Game. When do we come back? It's actually been, gosh, about a month mm-hmm. since we've been able to talk to him. But the regular season has wrapped up for the NFL, including the Kansas City Chiefs, who are the one seed in the AFC. We plan to be joined by the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. After these words... Oh, I would imagine Jeff Beck was pretty close with the Stones. It's really unfortunate he's had a pretty good last couple of years, too, because he had that album he did
0: with Johnny Depp, and then he was just on the That's new right. record as well. <laughs> oh, a lot of really, I really good stuff. forgot about that.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Wow. Yeah, rest in peace, Jeff Beck. That's, man really put a damper on my day let's get cheered up here because we're going to be joined here in just a moment by voice of the Chiefs, mitch holtis what do you got troy
0: i i just was going to mention uh cause of death was bacterial meningitis
1: wow okay
0: a couple of big words very strange but yes still a a case of uh of uh that occurring in our world
1: let's speak with the voice of the Chiefs, mitch holtis mitch were you uh a fan of jeff beck
3: pretty much not um and what a macabre! I'm listening on, you know, on hold here, going to list. God, where are we going with this discussion? And then Coverdale comes in as playing the role of like coroner. Uh, so, hey,
0: just doing my newsperson duty.
3: You guys are creeping me out here. It's like <laughs> the, the Riley County coroner now. What are we, what are we doing, boys? I didn't know. But we're talking about the transfer portal or something. Holy cow!
1: Well, uh, i got to ask about the Cats. Did you get to catch the game last night? The Cats are off to a 15-1 start, and they capped it off with that thunderous dunk.
3: Oh, man, no, I saw the highlights. I, uh, actually, my son coaches, and so I had a chance, first chance, to see uh, his team play. Um, and so I did that, and of course, falling on my phone. But, uh, yeah, I know I saw the highlights. I, I'm just thrilled with this start. You know, I got to know Coach Tang, when he was an assistant at Baylor and I was doing those Big 12 games and I had Baylor quite a bit and I would go to their shoot-arounds and you know, I, I actually respected that staff and Coach Drew when it wasn't always like popular to respect him. But Coach Tang just always left an impression with me because I thought this dude might be the most positive guy in the world. Uh, and I thought, these guys keep getting dudes. They're just showing up, but they keep getting guys and they seem to know how to coach them. So, uh, with, with Coach Tang, it reminds me I had such a close relationship with Charlie Spoonauer, who was phenomenal as a basketball coach and was great as an analyst, and, and I worked with him. He always said that coaches that made him mad were the ones that were happy, like Homer Drew, and they were happy all the time. And he would tell his assistants, Why is he so happy? Because I'm the happiest guy on earth, and he's happier than I am. So, I think with Coach Tang, it's almost that same feeling like, why is he always so happy? I thought I'm the happiest guy, and none of us are the happiest guy compared to Coach Tang.
1: And wash bashing with the students afterwards is amazing. He is an absolute superstar. just.
3: Yeah, no, awesome. And the, opponent, the opponents are going to think that's dumb and stupid. I think it's great. Uh, and he gets it, man. He gets it. And he got Marcus Noel not only to be a scorer, but also have some, you know, a little bit of sense here. Here's what we're going to do here uh, in the last five minutes so we don't lose this game. He's he's had a big impact, man. It's cool. I, I want to get into Bramley as quick as I can.
1: The Kansas City Chiefs in the regular season, fourteen and three, they are the one seed heading into the playoffs after beating the Raiders, 31-13. What do you make of that? That ring around the rosy huddle, and then it's the reverse pass to Kadarius Tony. It's like it's about as close as the NFL gets to Cirque du Soleil.
3: Well, you know what? Since we're talking about Tang doing the Wabash on YouTube. It's a little bit of a similar response. In the Chiefs Kingdom, people are doing it at the Chiefs Kingdom show. I had the geeks and the red coders like, emulating it. They were doing the same thing. And then the opponents, you know, like Quinn Miners of the Broncos, go, I oh, know that's terrible. I can't wait to beat those guys. Like, so it's kind of, it's a uh, acquired taste. But let's just talk about Andy Reid and the Method to the Madness. Coach Tang has got the Method to the Madness of doing the Wabash. He is, he's winning this campus over and that student body uh and with coach reed it was all by design because he's trying to keep the defensive going, what is this going on oh this is stupid and then all of a sudden they're lined up and they're lined up in a flex bone reverse wishbone look with a direct snap to mckinnon who's going to do an rpo to Kadarius tony who's going to flip it to the tailback oh that's mahomes who's going to throw a screen pass back to tony you know 40 yards across the field I mean, it was by design. It wasn't like something stupid, and they call it the Arctic Circle and not a reindeer formation. That's a little bit of coach. Now, but he, but he, I'm telling you, it was by design, and it was very well orchestrated. This is also the same coach. I brought this up with him on Chiefs Kingdom Monday night. The same coach who ran a 1948 Rose Bowl single-wing play in the Super Bowl, effectively for first down and goal to go on a fourth and one. So... We can laugh ha-ha all we want, but Big Red's got a, he's got a method of the madness.
1: Well, maybe, uh, Coach Reed, Big Red should be also credited for finding that buried deep potential in Jarek McKinnon this season because, going back to the Denver game, NFL record for a running back, five straight games with catching a touchdown pass. He has nine on this season. How underrated has the season been for Jarek McKinnon?
3: Very underrated, but there's a bigger story here in what that has done, and kind of why it happened. In that, first of all, McKinnon's the healthiest he's been probably in his nine years. But two, it's a it's a great example of how the Chiefs uh, changed the way that they played offense, and quite honestly, that the maturation of Patrick Mahomes. Go so all the way back to our training camp reports, Mitch. All the way back, all the way back to our off season reports, because you heard me saying. This team is redoing the way they do business. It doesn't mean they can be any less effective. They're just—it's almost like having a great Italian restaurant, and then all of a sudden you open up in Aggieville, and then you're going to open up downtown. You're going to open up. Oh, I don't know, a Tex Mex—that it's the best place to to eat, and it's a totally different cuisine. That's what the Chiefs have done. And McKinnon is a perfect example of that with his touch stats. One of my favorite stats of this season was Patrick Mahomes tied an all-time National Football League record of 28 passes to tight ends and running back. Now Kelsey had 12, McKinnon had 9, but there's everybody else got into this, too, for the most part. That record stood since 1963 Y.A. Tittle. If you're a fan of the New York Giants of 1963, you'll go, Oh, that's the GIF, Frank Gifford, or... Um, oh, I don't know, Joe Morrison or Hugh McElhaney at the end of his career. But why Tittle was throwing to running backs and tight ends? That's what Mahomes did, and it was effective uh, with McKinnon making plays. But, but I'm going to close with this on McKinnon. He has four plays every time we throw the ball, and he's out there. Usually he's got a protection, maybe a chip and a release. i got a protection. Who am I going to protect? And chip so Mahomes doesn't get killed. Then, I'm, ooh, I'm going to go out on my route. This is my design route. Oh, wait a minute, the third step. Uh, let's see, Patrick's running around, just like the other day against the Raiders. I better get open, find a void. I guess I'm perfect at that. Guess I'll. Oh, wait a minute, Patrick's going to run. I better go make the most effective block here that anybody's going to make on this play, and I'll do it in space and not get a block in the back or some terrible penalty. But kennan has been awesome at that in all four phases, and it's so hard to do. Very few guys in the NFL can do that four-phase deal every time McKinnon's involved in a passing play. Great question. Yes, he's underrated in a big way and meant so much to this season, but he's also in a a microcosm of how the Chiefs uh, have redone their grid.
1: Speaking with the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis here on the game. Now looking at the, uh, the playoffs, I'd actually like to just get your thoughts on You know, the the decision the NFL made due to the DeMar Hamlin uh, very scary situation in Cincinnati suffering cardiac arrest, and we heard today he's been released from the hospital after nine days in both hospitals, Buffalo and Cincinnati, but Chiefs will play Buffalo to neutral site if they play that AFC championship game.
3: Yeah, I mean, first of all, it starts with the discussion about DeMar Hamlin. We didn't get to be on last week. Last week was a rough week for... The whole NFL, but one of the triumph of the story triumphs is the power of prayer. I believe in it. There's all kinds of scripture pray without ceasing, uh, be anxious for nothing. It's been pray about everything. The effective prayer of a righteous person can accomplish much. Prayer, prayer, prayer. And all of a sudden we see that kid's life saved on a field because of incredible professionals and because of prayer. And so it's not bad to put out a prayer of praise for that kid. Now, It put everybody in the NFL in a challenging spot. And it pushed that week back. And then the Chiefs got the week pushed forward on the other end because they said Sunday night after we beat the Broncos on, what, New Year's night, it's like, oh, you're going to play Saturday now. That means you're going to fly Friday halfway across the country and play uh, the biggest game of the year. It was a tense week, guys. It was real tense, and it was real emotional. And it was – this 2022 Chiefs team has done such an amazing job of handling what's right in front of them, and they handled that week. I walked in, I'll just be transparent with you. It was such an emotional, weird, crazy week. When I got into Allegiant Stadium, the field pass show with Matt McMullen, it's like some emotion hit me. Like I, I just felt my eyes kind of get moist and teary. i like, what's going on here? But it was that kind of week, it was just full of tension, uh, and the Chiefs were able to pull it through, and it was it was just awesome to be a part of it and see it and to get this by.
1: Now with everything considered now with the playoffs, with the Chiefs being the one seed, the wild card round will be played this weekend, and of course that'll determine who the Chiefs play in the divisional round with the lowest seed. Um. Uh, Do do the Chiefs have the best reason right now than ever to be the biggest fan of Skylar Thompson?
3: Uh, Hear that again. It cut out for just a bit. Say it again.
1: Well, with everything going on with the playoffs, with the Chiefs being the one seed and the wild card will determine who the Chiefs play in the divisional round, is this the best reason ever to be the biggest fan of Skylar Thompson as a Chiefs fan? Yeah,
3: and he's from Fort Osage, right? So. He's a Chiefs Kingdom kid, uh, and I'm super proud of him. Uh, that wasn't easy to pull that eleven to six win off. That this he's David and Goliath this week, but yeah, for sure. But you know what? I, I'm going to tweet this out. So don't steal my tweet here. There's two things I'm going to tweet, and I'll give you maybe the stat of the night that no one's talked about. But did anybody talk about Week 18 in the NFL and the Big 12? Think about this: Geno Smith, West Virginia. Brock Purdy, Iowa State, Skylar Thompson, K-State, Mahomes, Texas Tech, Baker Mayfield, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Stidham, Texas Tech, Baylor, who am I leaving out? I'm leaving, there's seven of them. There were seven Big 12 quarterbacks right in the thick of things in Week 18. And uh, and I'm thinking, you know what, that's pretty cool. Um, Am I leaving somebody out? Um, I don't know, the Dalton play for the Saints had it been TCU. I mean, so the Big 12 had a big part as quarterbacking the uh, Week 18 of the NFL. Now you want my stat of the night? Absolutely. Patrick Mahomes, we know, okay, set the all-time NFL record, single season, total offensive yards, broke Drew Brees record. Wow. I was running into this one. We've been doing a bunch of uh, season I look back this week is we're going to get deep into the playoffs once we know who we're going to play. Patrick Mahomes this year had 704 touches. 704 touches. No lost fumbles. Nobody in the NFL was even close to that. Not even close. If you think of Trevor Lawrence, I believe, lost nine fumbles. Uh, Josh Allen lost five. Patrick Mahomes, 704 touches. Zero Lost fumbles. Wow. Zero, not a nicked.
1: To wrap up here, Mitch, I want to hear how you have filled out your bracket NCAA tournament style for the NFL playoffs. Who do you have representing the NFC in the in the Super Bowl?
3: Oh, I'm going to go with the chalk here. I still think it's going to be the Eagles. That That defense is underrated. I still think they'll make it. But how fun is it going to be if the Chiefs can get there? Think of the storylines. If it's the Eagles, oh, my gosh, Andy Reid, 14 years with them and 10 years with us. Oh, it's the 49ers uh, rematch of Super Bowl 54. Uh, it's the Cowboys, the 1962 discussion, somebody's got to go, and the Dallas Texans become the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, there, there are some massive storylines waiting if the Chiefs can get to Super Bowl 57 for whomever they're going to face in the NFC.
1: All right, Mitch. Well, the Chiefs will find out their opponent with the results of the wild card round. I greatly appreciate your time, as always, and we'll be talking to you soon.
3: I'll say this, and I'm only saying this because I was right. If I was wrong, you wouldn't hear about it. But back in November, I uh, talked to Matt McMullen, senior team reporter. After we played both Jacksonville and Tennessee, Jacksonville was 3-7, and seven, I said, Matt, this could be a big slip and surge. Watch the Titans slip and watch the Jags surge. And that's what happened. So I'll pat myself on the back for that one. And the reason I say that, I didn't give you my bracket, but the Jacksonville Jaguars are young and feisty and frisky and dangerous. And they have speed on defense that can match with Austin Eckler. That's going to be a heck of a game, but don't be stunned if the Jags pull that one off too.
1: I'm a fan of the Jags this year. Mitch, appreciate your time, and we'll be talking to you soon.
3: You bet, Dougie P. Thanks, guys.
1: Shout out to the Con family, AEW. You know, there's the relation yep. with uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, that's going to do it for hour one. A Big thank you to Mitch Holtis for joining us here to wrap up hour number one. Hour number 2 we'll of course get your number one song of the day and ask us anything. Get more on the running back, TreShaun Ward, who will be running the ball next or with DJ Gittens next year. My thoughts about him: He reminds me of a former K-State running back. Plus. The K-State men's basketball team off to a hot start, but
3: how hot is it? More of that coming up. Your local news right now.